0: The second straight no-cut event of the PGA season. If you didn't enjoy last week's edition, then you might be in for another painful midnight golf event with no shot tracker, no cut, on a course with no data to dive into. But the cutline's here to bring you some of the best analysis you can find on a week where everyone survives all weekend, unless your name is Brooks Kepka, or in fact JB Holmes, and withdraw. So, everyone's got a chance. Welcome to the Cutline. I'm Zach Manafort at Eagles e- Eagles Fan83 on Twitter, coming to you solo this week. As my all-star power host, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Cavalunas is too busy counting all of his stacks from the CJ Cup to join me on the podcast this week. So, hopefully, some of you have joined him and some good positive ROI last week. But if not, let's get it done this week. Uh, Mike, you're gonna be missed this week, but I will try to do the show justice as you've done when I missed the two I've missed over the last year. So, can't wait for you to get back this week, next week, and uh, enjoy the time off. Now I don't know what most of you are going to be doing Wednesday night, but this week I think I'm going to take a week off from cage diving with sharks or looking for the lost treasures of sunken ships off the coast of Maui. I'm going to be checking in on FanShare Sports, and you absolutely should be too. The guys I trust when it comes to the best ownership predictions in DFS golf, FanShare Sports. So if you're not subscribed, fix it, and it's real easy. I'll make it simple for you. Go to FanShare Sports, click Join, input the word Cutline in the discount option. And you get 20% off. You can't beat it. Ownership is a leverage not to be belittled. Especially on a no-cut event like this, where leverage is all you're going to need. And as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFF enthusiasts like myself and you. Fantasy National is helping draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analysis. Trying to figure out why you're struggling week in and week out it's more than likely you're not considering all the stats and evaluations you can have at your fingertips on Fantasy National. So, I ask you, how are your lineups doing? Now that we got all the fun stuff out of the way, let's get to it. The Zozo Championship, PGA's first trip into Japan, and what a better time than now when the Olympics are just eight short months away, where we'll see plenty of action uh, from both PGA and other sports throughout the Olympic season. So, Narashino Country Club, in Chiba, Japan. It's about an hour drive east of Tokyo. It's a 1976 design. It's a par 70 just over 7,000 yards and interestingly enough has five par 3s. We'll be seeing heavy tree line fairways with about six dog legs throughout the 18 holes uh, which isn't terrible. I mean it looks like they're, they're pretty easy to hit as long as guys don't get too wild off the tee. Interestingly enough though the par 4s are all either short or long There is no par 4s on this course that fall between 425 and 485 yards. So it'll be a challenge on some of the longer holes for some of the long hitters, and and the short hitters have an advantage on some. So it's an interesting uh, dynamic here. There is some water in play on about four holes, but I I don't know it's going to be an issue, and and we'll cover that in some of the weather. It is heavily bunkered, and the greens are pretty small, and they are bent grass. So keep that in mind as you start building your lineups this week, as scrambling and uh, sand saves might become an issue down, down the line. There's also two greens per hole, and if you hit the ball into the wrong green, you got to take a relief drop. So, an interesting little dynamic here, especially with the guys having no course history, so something you have to watch uh, as you continue to to kind of build your lineups. Looking at weather, you know, this could be one of those really disgusting weeks. Thursday, it looks like, you know, golfers in the AM will have a slight advantage, but looks like right now we have a fair amount of rain rolling in Friday afternoon and some gusts of wind up to about 30 miles an hour throughout the afternoon and sometimes in the morning. So especially with a no cut event, I don't really see an advantage here. This could shift left and right. We're so far out right now. Um, there's a potential for a delay on Friday with all the rain. So this could get kind of messy. So for me, I'm gonna play small again this week and i recommend you do the same uh, unless you're really heavily invested in wanting to play uh, a no cut event on the other side of the world with no shot tracker and no real data. But for me, I'm playing small. So, key stats for me this week, there is no course history to really come back to, to look at here, so I'm looking at strokes gained off the tee, uh, strokes gained tee degree, and I want guys that are in good form. Proximity from 175 to 200, you know, with the, the longer par fours and some of the par fives here, uh, I think there'll be some some advantage that those shots being the, the most from that distance. Par threes from 175 to 200, uh, most of the par threes, four of them fall in that range, and then scrambling. And then on top of that, I'm going to go ahead and take that and combine it with, you know, um, the overall result I get from that filter plus, you know, the last 36 on bent grass. And then I'm also going to combine the last 36 on bent grass and par 70 play. And I'm going to mash all those together and kind of see what it spits out for, for players that I should take a further look at. So not, not too much uh, to talk about this week. There's not a lot of data to go after. There's no course horses. There's no uh, real advantage on weather. It's going to be a mess. Uh, So with that, you know, we'll take it into the birdie or better segment where, you know, I'll decide what golfers I like this week, and I'll have no one to argue with me. So I have to be right. Ha. Yeah, right. So anyway, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the 10 to 11K range, and I haven't been uh, over the course of the season. But I think this week is is the exception for me. And I think the number one overall play I'm going to have is is Rory McIlroy at 11.5. To me, he ranks out number one in my model. Uh, He ranks number one in strokes gained off the tee. Strokes gained to green, Second in proximity from 175 to 200. Third in scrambling. Ninth in that par three, 175 to 200 range. And then 11th in GIRs gained. The guy just played phenomenal golf last year. He's been playing pretty good this year on the Euro Tour. Um, He had a, a, let's see, he came in 26th at Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship back on September 28th. And then he t 9 at the BMW Championship back in on the 21st uh, of September. So, you know, he's still in good form, uh, even though we haven't seen him since the Tour Championship back in August where he obviously won and, and crushed it, gaining 13 strokes on the field. Uh, but I think he's just playing some of the best golf uh, he has in a long time. And I, I want to ride that train, especially in a no-cut event where you can score uh, for four straight days. He's a guy that I'm going to be... All over, uh, I think I'm only gonna make three or four lineups and I'm pretty sure I'll be 100% on him. Uh, there's no way I can get off. Outside of that, I'm really staying away from from the, this range again. I just chose one guy because I'm playing small. Uh, if I were making other lineups, I, I would consider Paul Casey at 10-1. Um, he just grades out well across the board for me, uh, especially G.I.R.'s gained. Uh, Strokes gained two to the green. Strokes gained off the tee over his last 36. He's just in solid form. Um, so that's another guy I'd look at in the 10K range. Moving down to the 9Ks, uh, again, you know, I've got a couple guys I like here, but I think I'll, I'll stick with two. Uh, I really like Victor Hovland here at 9,400. He grades out number four overall for me, uh, and that's mainly because he just crushes it. He's top three or better in every stat except scrambling and par threes, where he's 58th in and scrambling, and, and 41st in and par threes from 175, 200 I do like that, you know, it, it kind of worries me because you know, there's five par threes here, but I think he makes up for it on some of those longer par fours uh, as, and the par fives as well, so I really like Victor over the course of four days having a solid chance to finish high, and it's really the same thing for me for Tony Finau uh, at 9,200. He ranks up fifth overall, so just a little bit worse than Victor, and, and he's top 10 in all the same stats, uh, or better that I'm looking at for key stats this week, and then he's 13th in par 3s, 175, 200, and 24th in scrambling. So there's an argument to be made there for me. Um, If I like Tony Finau or Victor Hovland better, I think I'll just mix and match them in the the three or four lineups that I make with Rory, and then just bump it down on some of the guys in the 7 to 6K range. Other guys, if you're you're mass multi-entering, that I have interest in, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, he seems to line up well here, played well in, in a fast-paced Skins matchup. Um, and that's really it. I mean, I see the, the argument for Colin Morikawa. I'm a big Colin Morikawa fan myself, but this week I'm just laying off of him, and I'm hoping he draws some ownership. Moving down to the 8K range, uh, this is where I really do uh, I, I start liking guys a lot more, and, and that's pretty much been the course of my analysis for the season is i just i live in this this eight seven six k range i just think there's such good value and a lot of the guys are underpriced especially this week uh the guys i like the most i think mark leishman at 8500 um, par threes from 175 200 he out second and scrambling first um, he's been nailing shots uh and gir and greens regulation from the 175 200 last year and I just think he, he he looked like he was dialed in uh, towards the end of the season and early this year. So I think this is a spot where Leachman comes out uh, ready to play uh, and put some of these amateurs behind him. Jason Day is another one I think lines up good here. You always got to worry about injury and random sickness withdrawals, but another guy that just plays well on, on these, these types of par 70 bent grass courses. Um, so I'm, I'm all over Jason Day, 8,900. A guy that I do like, and I just I just don't think he's getting, you know, any anywhere near the amount of ownership as he should. Is Adam Hadwin? I mean, the guy has just been playing solid golf. A fourth at the Shriners, the second at Safeway. Um, okay, he's like 43rd at the BMW. Sure, but I mean, the guy has just been playing solid golf. Nice. Uh, he's, he's tenth in proximity from 175 to 200. He's seventh in par threes from 175 to 200. So he's, in, he's top ten in both ranges where majority of these holes on the course fall. Um, so there's no way I can get away from him, especially at 8,100. He ranks out 15th overall uh, in my model, and then when I look at my mixed condition model, he he ranks out 10th um, when it combines par 70s, bent grass, and just overall uh, recent form. Um, so I think I may end up locking Adam Hadwin in here with the four lineups that I'm building, and. I I see the reasons why, because it can be a roller coaster if you're not an Adam Hadwin fan. Uh, But for me, this week, uh, I just can't find a way to get away from him. Moving down one more guy. I kind of there's really two guys in this category that I like. Uh, Shane Lowry, eight K. You know, ninth in scrambling, seventh in par three scoring from from the key range uh, over the last couple, uh, last 36 rounds. He you know he didn't really look good at the BMW and the Northern Trust at the end of last season. Uh, he made the cut but you know finished 48th and 52nd respectively. Uh, but prior to that, I mean the guy was just on. It. I mean he, he obviously won the Open. Uh, came in 28th at the US Open, second at the RBC, 8th at the PGA Championship, third at the RBC Heritage and really was just it kind of, was looking solid across the board. Um, and I can't find, you know, you give him four straight days and there's no threat to miss the cut. Uh, the guy can score once he gets on um, he only ranks up 32nd overall in my model uh, but i do have some interest in lowry and i think he won't garner as much ownership uh, as some of the other guys in this range um over the past you know seven events that's been tracked here uh, his highest ownership was back in the u.s open when it was at nine percent and the last two has been under five so you know Ben grass a good putter uh he plays well Uh on you know windy conditions which we may see this weekend he's actually you know gaining 2.2 strokes in in heavy winds Uh, so we could see some advantage here for Lowry and I think I'll have a fair share at least half you know two or two out of the four lineups will have some Lowry exposure um, as I look to continue on uh, on guys that I really think will have an advantage especially when you look at the ownership perspective. The only other guy in this range that I'm looking at, I think, it is uh, Joaquin Neiman at 8,200. I just think he's underpriced. Uh, we've seen him play solid golf. Uh, he's been just on it, and I just can't see a reason why not to play him. He came in 12th last week at, at the CJ Cup. After following that, following the miscut at the Shriners, so you know, up and down. Yeah, he's gonna be owned, especially after a solid finish at CJ Cup, where he was 12% uh, on average, but good bent grass putter it's actually his best surface he's not great but he's above average uh, in the wind so you know I like him I I think I'll have uh, at least one one piece of him this week but probably the guy I'm lowest on in the 8k range but he's of interest to me so I figured I'd mention him all right let's move on to the 7k range so 7k range for me I think is you know I, I just don't understand some of the pricing here you got guys like you know, Kevin Na, uh, who's priced at 7,900, coming off a of 20th last week, uh, following the win at the Shriners. You know, I don't know. He just he just feels like he's underpriced. He's a good wind player. He puts well in bent grass. You know, he's it's this it's the right side of the world for him. I don't know. I, I just it feels like a, almost like a trap because he's he's so low low priced, and I think his ownership will be spiked a little bit. But I do have some interest in him. Outside of uh, Kevin Na, I do, I do think this is a great bounce back spot for Billy Horschel at 7,700. Over the last 36 rounds alone, uh, he's ranked 11th off the tee, 19th in scrambling, 23rd strokes gained tee to green, and 24th in GIRs gained. And I think all that's incredibly important here. Uh, he ranks 11th overall in my mixed condition combined model for 7,700. I just don't see a reason why. Uh, You don't jump all over Billy Horschel here. Uh, He came in 64th last week where he lost almost 6.7 strokes. Uh, Obviously, he was way off last week, but in a no-cut event, you can still finish low as long as you're putting up the points to score. Um, So even with a mid-30 or a high-20 finish, he won't kill your lineups at 7,700. And historically, you know, he's still been under 8% owned, and I think we'll continue to see that, especially after his horrendous showing. Um, Last week at the CJ Cup Other guys I like I think this is a great smash spot I just worry a little bit about ownership uh, For Corey Connors uh, Coming in off our 12th at the CJ Cup And the last time we saw him was at Safeway Back in September Where he's got 13th So we've got two top 15s in those last two events And he's just dialed in On the proximity On the proximity game Especially last year uh, last 36 rounds, he's third off the tee, seventh in uh, proximity from 175 to 200, second in GIRs gained, 15th strokes gained, tee to green. And for 7,200, he ranks up 10th overall over the last 36 rounds for me, and 12th in my combined mixed condition model. I think, honestly, I'll have 100% of Rory and Corey Connors together uh, throughout every single lineup and then just kind of rotate guys through. Uh, I just don't see a reason to fade Connors here, and I just don't care. What his ownership is i'll make it up elsewhere and the last guy for me in the 7k range is really i think i will have at least one share of andrew putnam and i liked him last week and he came in with a 20th you know not too not too good not too bad he follows followed up from the 18th at the shriners but he just looks like he's in great form um i do worry about his ownership a little bit it's been trending upwards since the bmw championship where it was nine percent and it was almost 12 at the Shriners, and then it was 15% last week at the CJ Cup. So I, I do think that if I keep a watch on Fanshare Sports and, and Fantasy National and I see his ownership creep any higher than 15%, I think I'll have to fade him because he's not the greatest wind player. He actually loses strokes in the wind, so I'm hoping that he does pick up and it gets a little crazy and he kind of just falls off if his ownership gets up that high. Uh, but I do think if it if by some reason his ownership falls Uh, And the wind doesn't look like it's going to be as crazy. Uh, I do think I will have a fair share uh, of Andrew Putnam this week. Um, That's about it for me in the 7K range. I don't have a ton of guys that I have interest in. Uh, Overall, across the entire field, I only really like 15 guys. And I think with four lineups, that's probably about right. Um, I'll whittle that down a little bit more. Um, We'll move into the 6K range. And there's really only, since there's no, you know, cut here we can't do the monster guarantee Um, so there's three guys I kind of want to highlight briefly if you're building some of these lineups and the first guy is Danny Lee at 6900 we saw him come in second last week uh, at the CJ Cup and obviously he he was killing it when he gained 13 strokes on the field especially after his poor performance at the Shriners where he finished 71st and that's kind of what you get with Danny Lee I mean you're going to see him bomb the course time and time again for weeks on end, and then all of a sudden he'll come up with a top 10 or, or top 20, and then he'll go right back to his, his old ways. So I do worry that we kind of missed the peak here uh, on Danny Lee, but I'm willing to take one more stab at him in a lineup or two uh, just because I think he just he fits some of the areas that I'm looking at, especially the par 3 scoring where he's 15th overall, and he's 24th off the tee in his last his last 36. Uh, for 6,900, he won't kill you. If you can get four days of good scoring, you don't have to worry about a cut. Uh, so, he could, he could come up and show you up on, on Saturday and Sunday, especially if the weather gets a little wild and crazy. Uh, we could see a whole bunch of stuff going crazy. He's, he gains about .3, 3 strokes in the win, so he's not losing strokes. Um, so, it's something I would look at if you want somebody who's probably not going to be as highly owned. I don't know that many people will chase a second-place finish from Danny Lee, but... It's an option, so just keep an eye out for him. Another guy in the 6K range is uh, Dylon Fratelli at 6,700. Uh, you know, he's been playing decent. He's a good wind player. He gains almost a stroke when it's really windy out. Bent grass is his worst. His worst potting surface where he loses about 0.2 strokes around, round, but that won't kill you here. Uh, he finished 43rd last week in, at the CJ Cup in a no-cut event. No. Uh, where he followed up with a miscut at the Shriners. But before that, he was, you know, two top 10s, a 7th at Safeway, a 6th at Sanderson Farms. So another guy who's up and down here, but seems to be over the last course of the last five or six events playing pretty solid. He ranks out 26th overall in a mixed condition model, mainly because all the key stats I'm looking at, he falls within the top 25, with the exception of the par 3 scoring, where he's 59. So he's got a pretty solid game across the board that should keep him... Roughly the middle of the leaderboard with a potential ceiling for probably 20th. Uh, But for 6,700, I'm going to take a couple shots there, especially if I'm rostering guys like Rory uh, and Tony Finau uh, that I'm just going to need to dive down into the 6K range uh, to make a solid lineup work. All right, what else we got? So we talked Danny Lee, we talked Fratelli. I really just... uh, This 6K range is just awful to me, but... If I had to pick one more guy, I, I think I, I need to do a bit more analysis on him. The CT Pan, uh, 56 last week at the CJ Cup, wasn't didn't look the greatest. Uh, that followed uh, two missed cuts at the Shriners and Safeway. He doesn't really look that good. Uh, but when you do look at his stats for 6,200, uh, he's not bad. His scrambling is 16th. Uh, his uh, par 3 scoring is 40th. So it's not something that I'm excited to roster by any means, but on the off chance that he puts a solid couple of rounds together, he could find himself in the mix for like a top 40, top 30. Um, May not win you a GPP, but he could easily help you stay afloat, especially if you hit some ceilings on another two guys in the lineup that are lower owned. And really that's it for me. I don't have a whole lot of interest in this slate in general. Um, it's early in the season, it's in a new course, in a new area of the world. Uh, there's just so many variables that you can't throw into some of the analysis here that is really just telling me that I probably should stay away for the most part. Um, I just don't feel like I have an advantage here outside of looking at recent form uh, and looking at some of the key stats that are specific to this course. But with the intangibles of you know the Olympics coming to town, how much press these guys are gonna get, in and out of Tokyo, it's just and the weather looks like it's going to be a little out of control with rain and wind. I just don't have much of an interest in the slate, so I think you know just to to keep an interest, I'll throw like four or five lineups together, uh, probably in the bigger single entries and some of the lower three max, uh, especially because there's no shot tracker to really you know watch throughout the midnight the midnight oil uh, if you're a night shift worker. And <laughs> so, to me, I'm I'm not in it. But if you are, I hope you win it all. Uh, just not in the single entries that I'm in. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. And that really wraps it up for me for, for the cut line this week. Um, the Zozo Championship does start Wednesday. we're in Tokyo, so make sure that you're checking the start times for, for the event. And if you don't, then you'll have a bunch of dead lineups and I appreciate that if you're in there. I hope you join us next week as I hope Mr. Cavalunas is back as we break down the WGC HSBC champions and maybe even touch on the Bermuda Championship as there's two events running concurrently next week. And I'm not sure what DraftKings are planning on doing, but hopefully they run a little bit of contest for both to keep it interesting. Another big shout out to Fantasy National FanShare Sports, PGA Tour, and of course, every one of you that took the time to tune in and listen to me ramble on about my favorite picks for this week. So, Mike, I hope you come back well-rested next week and ready to take on the world. I know I can't do the show justice without you, so I look forward to being the lesser fiddle to the better half when you come back next week. And that'll do it for me and the cut line. Go and win that money, and I'll see you next week. Peace.